You're so welcome. I know you, but for people who don't, can you tell me who you are? Yeah, so I'm Jessica Dore. I am a tarot card reader and a writer and a social work graduate student. And almost um, done. Almost done. I'll be done at the end of the summer <laughs> as long as I pass my classes, which I think I will. <laughs> That's mainly it. I'm really interested in using tarot cards to help people better understand themselves, particularly like the relationship between thoughts and feelings and behavior and energy and how those things interact and how better understanding the interaction of those things can help us live better lives and be more in alignment with kind of what we're here to do. That's that's it, really, I think, um, for now. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you want to like prep me or anything, or we're just going to talk and then you're going to edit it? Or is there anything I need to know? No, there's nothing you need to know. Yeah. Okay. I have feelings about the quote, and so okay. not bad feelings at all. Okay. Um, I believe in this quote. And as someone who's like living very authentically around who she is, I wondered about your thoughts too. Yeah, sure. I guess what are what were your immediate thoughts when you when you read the book quote or tweet? <laughs> yeah, I mean when I first read it, it it did resonate with me right away. I think that I have had a lot of opportunities to embody the things that I write about. And in fact, I think that like because I'm writing about them, it helps me be accountable to myself in a way. So it's like, I don't know whether the universe is testing me to see if I'm really about the things that I'm saying I'm about, or if it's that I feel more accountable to being about those things because I'm telling other people. Does that make sense? That's really interesting. No, that totally makes sense. Hmm. And I've never thought of it that way. I definitely do feel in some ways that I get tested I think we've talked about this before I think I get tested and I think I have failed some of the tests but um (laughs) I don't know what do you think about the idea of a test like that the universe is capable of testing us you know I don't know I mean it's a really good question I think like the universe is sort of like to me this unknowable thing and I think with anything unknowable we're we're sort of projecting our own things that we want to work through or experience. It's like kind of like the the idea of shadow or like the moon card in tarot where it's like when there's mystery or when there's like a shadow over something and you can't quite see what's there, you project into it. I remember reading one time someone was talking about how little kids are scared of the dark because they're like imagining all these like monsters and all these things, right? So when there's something that's uncertain, we're sort of like projecting into it our own whatever, right? And so whatever we're seeing in the universe is some projection that's coming from the inside. If I'm the kind of person who's oriented towards growth, yeah, I am probably going to interpret something that's happening in the world as being a test of my commitment to the to the growth or to the whatever it is. Is it actually that? I don't know. Does it matter if it's actually that? I don't know. (laughs) Mm. Um, 
I just, I think it's so interesting, right? Because when you are trying to be a person who is oriented toward growth, right? And you are trying to heal yourself and be a person who has the capacity to help others heal themselves and stuff like that. You think like the hard part, or it feels like the hard part should be figuring out what you need to do and declaring that thing, but it it's not. Like the hard part is not the glamour of saying it or of telling others about it. It's really just like the daily act of living it, <laughs> like yeah. when no one's around or like no one yeah. sees you and can be like, oh, good job, or like, oh, what are you doing? You know, like you're kind of that voice for yourself. Yeah, that's true. And it's something I've written about, and it's something that I think is really interesting in the work that I do. I am somewhat focused on the idea of like behavior change as a a factor in healing. It's like when we're healing, healing, there are some things that we're changing, certain behaviors or things that like aren't serving us. And in the process of change, you know, there's these different phases and stages. There's the pre-contemplation before you know that change needs to happen. There's contemplation, preparation, where you're sort of like setting your intentions and then there's the action stage. People don't spend that much time in the action stage. A lot of us spend most of our time in the contemplation and preparation stages. I see a lot of stuff on social media about like set your intentions and this and that. And a lot of stuff around like the moon, you know, the moon cycle that people are really into that kind of stuff. And that part is kind of fun. This is a fun exercise to do, but the the quarter moons and the you know, like the moons that are not the new moons or the full moons. These are phases, these are like kind of representative of exactly what you're talking about, the day-to-day where you're doing the work of actually implementing the change. It it is the hard part. And I think another piece of that is that a lot of people don't get to the action stage. A lot of people get stuck in the intention setting stage. And then when you're in the action stage, it can feel very lonely because people don't really spend that much time there. There's not usually that many people at any given time around you that are like in that stage of change where like they're actually like doing the hard work. People who have ideas about they want to change or people who have made changes and they're in kind of like the maintenance phase. But that action stage where you're actually implementing changes tends to feel very lonely, which is adds to yeah. kind of like why it's so hard. Right. And it's literally just like the daily choices that we make, you know, like it's mm-hmm. not it's about saying like, oh I'm no longer interested in this. Right. And yeah, that is hard and that can be lonely, like you said, because people build relationships and lives around these, like, bad habits. Yeah, oh, totally. And then if you decide that you want to change them, like, where does that leave you in the midst of your community? If those aren't community values or friend values, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's incredibly hard. That action stage, too, it's like you, yeah, you start to sort of... The, that that loneliness of it of okay if I make this change I I'm putting a rift between myself and probably a lot of people that I was really close with maybe who were used to me being in this old way who resonated with that who expected that from me and I I don't think that a lot of people anticipate you know we sort of like think of healing as this thing that's all good there couldn't possibly be any like grief involved in healing right but Actually, when you get well, you you lose people. You do. You lose relationships. Relationships change forever. You know, relationships with family members, relationships with friends. You you outgrow relationships. You 
you can't you don't connect with people in the same way and that's really hard and that's also sort of a barrier for people to making changes i think oftentimes an unconscious one people don't realize that on some level they know that if they if they implement some change in their life that that's going to change their life forever it's going to change their relationships forever and so they stay the same because that's just like too much to too much to grapple with the thought of like losing people that you really care about yeah it doesn't even have to be I know I like framed it that way but like it doesn't even have to be about people that you already know it can even be about interacting with new people because I think it it strikes Mm -hmm. me just being out in the world how little interest there is or it seems that there is for a lot of people and being like truly accountable and considering mm. what that means. Like I definitely don't think that I am a person who is truly accountable <laughs> in any sense of the word, but I I think like that is something that I'm striving towards. But even, I mean, like I guess that can be an example of a test, right? Because I think there are lots of moments where I'm interacting with people and they're just not, being accountable and they're not interested in being accountable and I'm just kind of like well why should I be if all these people aren't you know right so that might be kind of the I don't know like a tricky space to navigate too because if it feels like all these other people are getting away so to speak with bad habits Mm, and like mm -hmm. it's harder for you to just like try and live in good habits and like why not revert to the bad habits you know right well it kind of it kind of brings things back a little bit full circle back to the quote of like you know if you if you write with any integrity about the things you say you believe the universe will test you to see if you really about that life and it's like it it makes me kind of think about you know as artists or as creative people who are who are writers or doing any other kind of art what is the role of art in holding us accountable? And when you are faced with those things in the world where you feel like, what's the point of me being accountable when everyone around me isn't? I know for myself, absolutely, because I because of the, the things that I write about, that does give me a greater sense of accountability. And it gives me a sense of sort of purpose. Like, well, if I'm making art about this, then that that motivates me to want to live in this way, even when there's people around me who aren't because like it, it just feels, it just feels like what right do I have to be talking about the things that I'm talking about if I'm not actually living them? Um, yeah. And does that mean that I'm, that I'm always living in accordance with the things that I say? Absolutely not. But am I continuing to sort of try to embody those things? Yeah. It's been really interesting for me with the work that I do. I have found that I have greater motivation to overcome some of the, internal obstacles that I have because I'm interested in kind of like getting through to the other side of it and like, yeah. and then like writing about it and telling people, Ooh. Hey, here's what works for me, you know? Right. And, and it's, it's this really interesting, like built in thing that's been very, very healing for me on an individual level. I'm a person who has a lot of obsessive thoughts and if I can <laughs> learn how to relate to these obsessive thoughts in a different way and I can engage with them in a different way and relate to them differently I can take what I learned from that experience and I can share it with people who are who are interested in what I have to say and that can help them. So it's not just me that's going to benefit from me kind of like learning how to engage with these things differently. It's other people as well who are engaging with my art. I don't know. I mean, it's really kind of cool. It's an extra reward for 
doing hard things. When we're talking about accountability, this is something that like I think I, I see a lot of very like individualistic ideas floating around of, you know, don't worry what other people think of you and just do your thing and don't, you know, get caught up in other people's opinions and don't you don't need validation from other people and all this kind of stuff. And I, I actually think that that really works against us, especially when we're talking about things like accountability. We need social reinforcement both ways, both when we're misbehaving and when we're behaving well. That's social sanctions or social support are two really, really important factors in change, whether it's at the individual level or at a larger level, at a more like community level. I think looking for what is the work that I do in the world? What am I here to do? And what is the role of like my healing or my doing hard things in my being able to do this work effectively? And how does that impact other people? How does my healing impact other people? I think it's, it, I don't think that it can just be an individual endeavor. You know, and in, in therapy, at least the models of therapy that I've studied and learned about, there's a lot of emphasis on values clarification. So like helping people get in touch with what are the things that are most important to them. And there's never a time when those things that are most important to people don't involve some sort of social connection. It's family or, you know, my friends or my romantic relationships or um, my kids or, you know, whatever, family or community. If you look at what's most important to people, you, you, I, I've never, people. I've never encountered, <laughs> exactly. I've never encountered someone who has, whose values have been, haven't involved social connection in some way. So I think right. we can look to well, that guess, to find yeah. accountability. I guess just like no matter how lonely we are, how lonely we feel, like we, like we aren't, we don't exist in vacuums. And right. Remembering. Right that yeah especially in our like individualistic society that is the u.s right exactly it's not all about you (laughs) exactly no it's i mean i think there's we have a lot of unlearning to do around that conditioning of you know rugged individualism and how that has really that has been really problematic i think for relationships for 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 everything I mean, really, for everything the 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 way that our healthcare system is, the way that our communities look, I mean things are just not we don't we don't live in an environment of like sharing and interdependence and and that values relationship, and that's a that's a huge problem it's a huge problem like vast the the repercussions of that are are devastating. And I think it's really easy. I think it's 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 a lot easier to um, to really focus on, you know, just focusing on my. I'm just going to focus on myself. I'm not going to worry about other people. I'm not going to prioritize relationships because relationships are really hard, and relationships are where all of our old, you know, wounds get triggered and stuff like that. And so it's like it's really tempting to just want to believe that we don't have, we don't need anybody. I remember reading somewhere, I'm reading an, actually a book by this person named Lori Kahn, and she wrote this book called Baffled by Love, and it's about victims of childhood sexual abuse who she sort of like works with as a as a therapist. And she talks about how, I think she says, independence is an unfortunate consolation prize 
for neglect. So it's kind of like when people don't have their needs met, they can become extremely sort of compulsively independent. We forget how to rely on others. We forget how to allow others to meet our needs, allow others to be there for us. And I think that's, it's a, it's a response to relational trauma. It's not, that's not a healthy thing. It shouldn't be a goal to, to not need other people. Um, a point of pride. However, yeah. Guilty. And, and of I'm guilty of being that. Afraid, <laughs> being afraid. Are you? <laughs> Maybe yeah. not like now, but certainly in the past, I've definitely been guilty of that. Why do you think that is? If I can turn that turn around on you, like what <laughs> what is the fear there? Like what is the or what is the the, the what's the, the line of thinking of like if I don't need other people, then then what? I think it's just about getting hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Like I know, I think I've always known, but I've grown to really know that I'm a very sensitive person who hides it <laughs> because yeah. being sensitive is not I don't know it's not a prized thing I think in yeah. society yeah. Um, but the flip side of being sensitive is having capacity to be like very very hurt <laughs> yeah know? and so I think I've always been reluctant to enter spaces like that I was telling my friend, we were having this conversation um, a couple weeks ago, maybe, and I just said that I, like, I mean, it was about men, obviously, but, like, even just expanding it to people, <laughs> I don't want to give, I'm, I'm no longer interested in giving someone else the power to destroy me, mm. but even in that, like, that's tricky, right, because Okay, so, like, yes, destruction, sure. Like, maybe I should not be giving anyone that power. But where's the line between opening up and, like, giving aspects of yourself and um, being authentic in relationships and destruction, you know? (laughs) Yeah. It's almost about, in some ways, I think it's almost about changing the relationship to, to destruction rather than anything. It's like... What does it mean to be destroyed? Because with intimate relationships, when we form bonds with people and we form attachments to people, we are, that is what we're doing. We are opening ourselves up to be annihilated. There's no way around it. That's what makes it so scary. You you become attached to someone that what that person does, what they don't do, how long they're there, if they leave, these things are going to affect you. That's just all there is to it. And it might destroy you. But what does that mean to be destroyed? Like, is it is it an opportunity to connect re- in a really deep way with the impermanence of all things? You know, is it, an, is it an opportunity to have a spiritual experience? You know, I mean, I think for me, that's what I would think. It's like, what what is it to be destroyed? Because, I mean, I think absolutely if we really make ourselves vulnerable with other people, we are we are opening ourselves up to being destroyed. I don't know that there's anything you can do to sort of, I mean, of course, there's work that you can do on yourself to make sure that, you know, I have a solid sense of self and if I'm in relationship and I lose this this 
relationship, I'm still a whole person. And then that said, like, even in that case, you can still be totally destroyed by someone, you know, just yeah. or by, by but a it's also about like someone. I think that goes back to accountability in some ways, though. Mm. I think it's, a, it's about the other person, too, and like what they do to you and what you allow to do, them to do to you and like the name of love or whatever mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah I think for me it's like a process of yeah like fortifying like I think I have a pretty strong sense of self but sort of fortifying my sense of community outside of a romantic relationship and also like not looking to another person to sort of bring me out of whatever I feel is like wrong with me you know and just Mm -hmm. doing that Mm -hmm. for myself but I also think maybe the harder work is where are the healthy people and how do I become attracted to them (laughs) yeah (laughs) right right exactly the discernment piece and that yeah Yeah. you want to be able to minimize the risk of being destroyed unnecessarily (laughs) you know like if I'm going to be destroyed I want it to be because of something that like neither of us could control like right we both gave it our all nobody was withholding like exactly (laughs) exactly right I don't want to just go into a situation where I'm like oh this is really high risk in the first place and I'm throwing myself into this because I'm trying to replicate some trauma yeah right yeah. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. Having a solid sense of self, choosing wisely, you know, being discerning, and then to an extent surrendering to impermanence and recognizing that, like, this is this for right now and and it might change. And that's something that you always sort of have to live with when you have an attachment to another sentient being you know like it's just like no one's here forever yeah just it's just hard (laughs) (laughs) it is hard it is hard i think like with in terms of the quote and stuff like all of this Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to frame it that way, like all of this is part of being tested, negotiating and renegotiating what you believe. And I guess maybe that's another thing, right? Because like belief isn't static. So right. you might have something happen or come across a set of circumstances that make, that change what you believe. And so I think it's also about being flexible in that and like being able to show growth and that it's not just static too. I think that's a part of being accountable Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. (laughs) Totally. Like flexibility to be able to respond to what's actually happening in a moment versus just like, this is what my belief is and this is what it is and there's no room for this to like adapt to change feels really important yeah but i guess it's all a process 
Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, you know, I was I was talking to a friend the other day about um just like this thing of like of like doing hard things and making hard choices and being accountable to ourselves and to like our beliefs and our values and the things that we talk about and teach about and write about and all of these things that we're talking about today and I was expressing some frustration to her around okay like I've done some hard things I've made some hard choices and now like I want that to be over I don't want to have to make those choices I don't want to have to do the hard things anymore like I did it wow I want now to be over right that should be enough that's not how it works right yeah it's like no you're going to continue to be you might continue to be tested with the same thing, tested as we, as we're saying, like, you know, you might be, you might continue to be tested with the same thing. And ideally over time, if you continue to respond in a way that's in alignment with your values, it gets easier and it's, and it's less of like a super hard thing to do. And it becomes more natural to you to like do that right thing or whatever. But it's not a, I think for me, I'm just like, wait a minute, what, why am I, why is this coming up again? I, I, I already, passed this test, you know, right, like, I passed being the test. It again. So you kind of, and I kind of let my guard down a little bit, like, like, oh yeah, like, well, I passed this test already. I get a little cocky, like, well, I'm good. But then it's like, oh, it's still a challenging thing. It's, it's not, I'm not like over it necessarily just because I like responded well to it once. <laughs> um, right. Well, because it's so, also like, like said, a lifetime of responding or maybe not yeah, a lifetime, right. but like a lifetime up to this point of responding <laughs> poorly, right? <laughs> and yeah. so like one isn't going to cut it, I guess, if you think about it that way. Yeah, totally. Even totally. though it should. <laughs> it totally should. I wish it did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think we all are pretty conditioned to believe in the idea of a quick fix or in the idea of, mm-hmm. you know, like, okay, cool, like, I responded well to this this one time and now and it was really hard and I did that thing and now like now I'm like absolved from like ever having to do that again but it's like no that's not gonna work do it again and again yeah yeah (laughs) no I mean it's like recovery with like substance abuse right one day Mm -hmm. at a time you know like you you will people are sober for years and then relapse you know and it's like that's because it's a commitment to every day just like do the next right thing and actually that, that model of change that I was talking about earlier with like contemplation and then action and determination and maintenance and all that relapse is actually, there's like a, if you look at the the visual model, it's like a cycle and relapse is actually in the, it's in the cycle. It's built into it as just like, is it a natural part of change? And I think part of that, it probably is that people do let their guard down. It's like you make it, you make the change and you think you're good and then, and then the same situation pops up and you're like, oh, it catches you off guard and you slip, you know, but that's normal. But you're not back to square one. You're just, you just fell off and then you get back to, you know, doing the next right thing.